Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with David. I am your host, David Owasi. And on this podcast, really, we're talking to professionals and entrepreneurs across the country. We are learning about what keeps them passionate, what keeps them going. And we're also talking about lessons learned along the way. Now, I'm here with my very good friend, someone I have huge respect for, uh, Dave Shakespeare. And I'm very excited about our chat uh, right, right now. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Dave? Uh, hi. So uh, I guess first off, thanks for having me. This is kind of exciting. Um, yeah, pretty cool to watch what it is that you've been developing. Uh, my name is Dave Shakespeare. Um, David and I had the privilege of working together a few years ago. And uh, my current role is that of a financial advisor. Absolutely. And Dave, you know, it's funny because uh, when I first met you, one of the very first things that jumped out to me was your last name, Shakespeare. You were the <laughs> first person I ever knew who uh, was called Shakespeare. I'm just very curious. Is that like uh, something in your family or I'm just curious about your last name? <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny enough, you're, you're the third person now to ask today. And I, based on that alone, I should probably do my genealogy. I never have. Couldn't tell you if I'm related to the Bard, but, uh, uh, you know, I guess it makes for a good introduction and a good joke once in a while. So uh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. More apparently, though, Dave, uh, you know, uh, one of the ways we got introduced or how I got to know you was through our shared experience being business owners at College Pro. Now, I'm very curious about your journey as an entrepreneur. What was it that really got you interested in entrepreneurship in the first place? Uh, yeah, no, fun. Good question. Um, I, I really don't know what it was that wanted me to take that path. In university, a lot of the classes that I was taking around entrepreneurial um, development and things of that nature, they were just really interesting and really exciting. And through those classes, that's when I really started to say, hey, maybe this is a path for me. Um, and then trying to apply some of those learnings into different jobs that I was working at the time wasn't really fitting very well. Um, and so then I guess that's where I probably started leading myself to college pro and having the ability to be able to practice and rehearse those skills in as real time as one possibly could, uh, through that, through that organization. So. Absolutely. And I definitely agree with you. Uh, and just, you know, it's sort of a shared experience for me as well. When I was in university, I was very, even though my majors was in computer science, I was also very drawn towards, you know, business courses and how that relates. And I struggle with the idea of, you know, you're learning all of this th theoretical stuff, but you're not really practicing it. And College Pro and running a business was, a, was an excellent uh, way to practice it. Now, uh, my question for you was, you know, in your first year of business, what was that experience like? for yourself and the reason why i ask that is a lot of our listeners you know some of them are probably thinking should i go run a business what, what's that going to be like or some of them are in their first year of business and they're always curious to get a sense of well are other people struggling as i am or is everyone else finding it easy um what was your first year like in business yeah um i would say that it was uh very fast um it would have been very hard um and so hard i mean challenging uh, and, and incredibly rewarding. That would be probably the three ways I would sum that up. So when it came down to 
uh, very fast. It was the idea that you're learning all kinds of skills uh, very, very quickly. And, you know, really it's, it's the idea that you need to figure out how to apply them. Um, it was hard in that there was a lot of uh, setbacks. There was a lot of challenges um, and, and kind of getting over that in a very quick manner, I think was a really important skill. So that probably would have been one of the, the greatest gifts, I think. Um, and then in terms of rewarding, you know, the, the ability to grow yourself, I think is, is, is a massive thing and a great undertaking. Um, but on the idea of being able to help others also fulfill something and, and you were a small part of it, um, that I, I didn't realize at the time how uh, motivating and rewarding that is. Uh, it took me a little while to actually figure out that that's that's a key part of uh, what I desire as, mm -hmm. as a person. Absolutely. And I'm also very curious considering, uh, and you know, before I go into my next point, I do agree with you about the fact that the fourth year was very, very fast for me as well. Uh, you know, when I started my, uh, to knock on my fourth door to when, you know, it was oh, the end of the season, it was like, wow, this just went by real quickly. So I definitely agree with you. And the rewarding part also uh, makes total sense. I was completely transformed <laughs> from when I went into when I went out after that first year of business how did whatever you learned at school did you think it translated into that first year of business experience at all did you think that there was some value based on what you learned in the classroom to actual real life running a business neat question um for me I would say that uh the university experience, one of the greatest things that I got from it was understanding how much we don't know. Hmm. Um, and, and I can appreciate that that would be uh, intimidating as, as you kind of go through this, this experience and you're, you're learning and you're, you're gaining certain skills. Um, it's also showcasing all these blind spots, um, you know, maybe from an academic perspective or a learning perspective um, that you might not have known that you had. So that was, that was actually really, really exciting. And the more I found I didn't know, the more I craved to know more. Um, when looking at business, then applying that mindset to business, uh, it was the idea of almost always shoulder checking to try and see if there was a blind spot, something else you can unearth, another skill that would help move you forward. Where I think university played a really good role was building some of those um, you know, maybe some of those fundamentals or maybe a little bit of confidence when it came down to understanding. Um, but it was actually the true application. So when it came to really applying it, that I think, uh, you know, a lot of those theories that you would test, putting it into practical application and seeing, hey, does this actually work for me? Hmm. Is this something that I can apply and help others with? Um, so coming out of it, um, I don't feel everyone maybe needs to spend as much time in uh, the university programs to be able to do the things they want to go do, but I do feel that it is a great stepping stone. I do feel that it's a great uh, personal social experiment as well. There's a lot of skills that might not necessarily be in a textbook that you gain from that when it comes down to group projects, understanding how to schedule different things, um, how to relate and communicate information, 
how to convey maybe very complex information in a uh, understandable or a digestible way. Um, so those those skills, I think, are, you know, good things that you would find in a university experience that might necessarily not be in a textbook. And, and I definitely feel um, are, are probably at times underrated as well. Yeah, that's a very profound answer, Dave. And uh, I definitely agree with you. One of the things, if just from my own personal experience as well, that curiosity, that uh, just the understanding how much you don't know is almost a very powerful for, for, force to get you to be humble <laughs> and be willing to learn and to just know that, yeah, I don't know everything and that is an okay thing, that is fine. That is completely okay to not know everything and just be willing to absorb more information. Now, my next question for you, Dave, is you know, a lot of our listeners, again, are sort of in that world, in the university world where they're you know taking classes and they're trying to plan their lives. A lot of people you know, would, would um, put pressure, if you will, on university students about knowing what they want to do in their careers. So from what I'm hearing from you, you're saying that, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to focus on locking down your career path, if you will, but you just have to be open to the whole experience that university has to offer and then use that perhaps in your future career. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, you know what? I think that'd be very fair. So to be incredibly vulnerable and honest about mm -hmm. uh, my university experience, I actually didn't go to university for me mm. at the very beginning. I went for someone else. Um, so there, there was an individual in my life um, that was creating a lot of encouragement to go to university. I didn't think that university was for me, um, but based on um, you know the circumstance at the time, uh, said, hey, like let's, let's give that a go. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to take. Um, and this is, actually quite exciting. My first university course was actually introduction to golf. So I wanted to, uh, <laughs> so this is kind of the moment where we can chuckle, right? Everyone has basket weaving 101, right? Um, but hey, no, I wanted to go into um, sports. And uh, at that time, the program was changing. We had the ability to do um, a BA program or a BBA with double minors and things of that nature. And uh, so I took a lot of sport and rec classes. Part of the program had an entrepreneurship piece to it. And so then I really got into the entrepreneurial side of things. And so, you know, hey, starting with the idea of maybe getting into golf as an industry and then going into the idea of, hey, maybe I want to one day run a small business. You know, is that going to be golf? Is that not going to be golf? Um, and starting to use some of those classes as um, beta testing uh, when it came down to different projects. Um, I ended up actually taking a lot of finance and economics out of personal interest. So what I think some others might consider to be the boring classes, if you will, um, I actually found incredibly interesting um, and I didn't realize how interesting. So through the course of uh, university, I had a couple different outlooks. And so I would encourage any university student to try and take a similar path, sample from very small areas, um, and then test them in areas outside of uh, the university experience. Um, I've seen others were, you know, maybe interviewing a professional saying, hey, that could be of interest to me. 
Um, so I, I got a, I got a summer job at one point for one season at a golf course. And I observed the three roles that I thought I would thrive and enjoy. And as I observed, not just the jobs and the roles, um, but also the lifestyles of those three very different individuals, I didn't want that. I found out I would never be on the playing side of golf. I'd be always on the working side of golf. And that's not what I wanted for my career. Um, and so this was a wonderful thing because what I quickly learned was that while going out and sampling um, from different areas of that industry, that it wasn't appropriate for me, I could have potentially ended up in that career and found that out maybe later than normal. So university really is a great place to, you know, basically test what your personal interests are against what actually happens in the function of that specific role. Um, that's a, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Anyway, a good, a good failure and success. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave, for that profound answer. And I think you're right. Basically, you know, uh, exploring the buffet of options, if you will, to see what you don't like, because there's no way to know what you don't like or what you really like if you don't test it out. And that test and experiment, which is, you know, the perfect the university, I think, is a perfect opportunity to test all of those out. I think that could be very, very useful. Now, moving back to your business, um, you know, you had a very stellar uh, first year of business. Uh, and I think we discussed some of you know, your biggest takeaway and your, your experiences. Now, I know you also transitioned into a coaching role. How was that different from being a business owner coaching businesses? What was that like? No, neat. Yeah. So, so my first year of business, one of my biggest goals was for personal development. And then my second year of business, it was the idea of trying to develop myself stronger by developing others. Um, and then that led into my third year where now, I, now I was in a coaching role. Um, and admittedly, I don't think I was my personal opinion. I don't think I was as good of a coach as I was say a franchisee. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did when running my business. Um, there was a lot of really good development when, when it came down to it. So the idea of, again, being able to take um, information and, you know, convey it in such a way where, you know, the person that was receiving that information, they would be able to, you know, take it, dilute it in their own sense, and then pass it on to whatever needs to be facilitated. That was a great skill. Um, but when it came down to, uh, the, the coaching piece, there's elements of it that I take into my personal and professional world now, but those are actually the elements that I enjoyed the most. Um, so what I found was when working with my business, I was able to take, uh, you know, information and skill and apply it directly to a person in a situation. So there was a lot of that one-on-one -on -one contact. In the coaching role, now it's the idea that you're doing that through layers of people. Um, and as a result, you know, that can kind of create a little bit of struggle. What I think is really interesting is it will show you very, very quickly uh, what it is that you're good at. And it will also show you very quickly what it is you're potentially not so good at as those individuals are gonna be reflections of you. Um, I've been told by many parents 
that that is eventually going to happen when you know one has a child so maybe david you can start to speak to this a little bit i don't know being a father but uh yeah that would be that would be kind of where i would summarize that so a lot of great successes when observing individuals um, do well and a lot of pride came from that knowing that you had a very very small piece to help them but you really had to focus on keeping your saw very, very sharp so that you can be the best that you possibly could be for that other individual because they're going to go out and do the actual thing. Absolutely. And uh, I definitely agree with you. Being a, a coach myself, I work with small businesses and it's a, it's a humbling experience, if you will, where you are trying to do your best to get the other person to be at their best. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating, like you've described, and you see how much or how less you know. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's, a, it's an awesome experience and uh, one I continue to, to learn and growing. And as uh, it relates to, uh, you know, your child being a reflection of you, uh, I think uh, my son, Shepard, is still at an age where he's not understanding much, but uh, it's definitely an experience that I am enjoying as well being a dad. You can start to see a little bit of that element of what you're describing, where they're seeing and copying what you're doing and trying to model after you. So it's been awesome. Now, uh, to make a little bit of a transition here, Dave, uh, you are currently in the world of finance. And, you know, that's a very sensitive role. How would you say your experience from being a business owner, being a coach, how has that helped you as you've made this transition into this new phase of your career? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, I guess, when it comes to empathy has been really, really nice. So often I'll have clients that are an employee and often I'll have clients that are business owners. And so being able to relate to both and understand what some of the things they're going through um, could, could potentially mean for them or some of those challenges, sometimes there literally are meetings where, you know, you're, you're just allowing an individual to, you know, kind of vent or maybe share a success. My role here is actually to be remain a little bit neutral um, on the emotions so that way that actually gives the other individual the opportunity to really share. Um, and when it comes to, you know, say that success or that movement to be able to help and guide and at times coach in directions that would be of the best benefit for that individual. So if I didn't have that foundational knowledge of what that meant or felt like or had walked that walk onto my own, I wonder if I would be able to truly understand uh, what that means for someone else. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it gives me that, that ability to be a little more empathetic. Absolutely. And we'll chat about some of those emotional skills uh, in a minute. But just from my, you know, knowing you over the years, one of the things I've had, one of the you know, reasons why I've had a huge respect for you is just your incredible ability to build genuine, authentic relationships with people, including myself. And when I see your interaction with others and I speak to others about yourself, that's one of the themes that always keeps coming up. Dave is very genuine, he's very real, he's very authentic. For someone who, say, is uh, not very good at that skill, who is not good at that relationship piece, what would you say is the best way to get started on building that skill, being able to build relationship with clients? Because at the end of the day, 
almost everything is sales in some version, whether you're selling your ideas or whether you're selling your products or your services or what you can do in a job interview, you're having to build relationships in one way or the other. How do you approach building the skill? Um, so sorry, is it, sorry, is it, is the question more about building, uh, so a skill in building a relationship or is the question more about how to build a relationship? Well, the skill of building a relationship. So that's something you've been very, very good at. I was just curious as to how you're able to build the skill and how someone who is not particularly good at it can approach it. Okay. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, uh, finding some sort of metric. So understanding, you know, hey, am I, am I good at this? Am I not good at this? I listened to one of your other podcasts um, where you were talking about getting the average opinion of a couple different people. So the idea of saying, okay, maybe am I, am I good at X? Okay, and then going asking three or four people on a scale of one to 10, be very honest, how good am I at? X, mm-hmm. right? So I guess getting a bit of a baseline would be a good place to start. Um, the second thing that I would say from a skill standpoint is asking yourself, what different actions could I do that would help the skill? And what different actions could I do that would not promote growth for this skill? Once you understand the things to do, uh, I think at this point, then it's the idea of doing them. And at the same time, focusing on the things that you can control. So when building a relationship, you have to understand that you're not going to be able to build a relationship with everyone. You won't get along with everyone. You'll most likely get along with most people. And and I would say that that's a good thing. Um, So, you know, giving yourself a bit of patience and grace there. Um, Another thing I would think uh, for people to consider is what do you want from that relationship or what does the other person want from that relationship? So what's the, um, you know, the expectations or say the design of the relationship? Um, Because we can have romantic, professional, platonic, we can go on with all different kinds of relationships. So, you know, exactly what is that? And maybe focusing on a specific relationship type might be another thing to consider. Um, So that'd be a couple areas that I think an individual would probably want to get themselves start with. Um, Outside of that, I would probably encourage recording some of this information. So whether that be, um, say, a journal. Uh, So one of the things that, uh, that I did for my past was I would focus on a specific skill, you know, try to give myself a bit of a grade, here's the things that I did, here's where I had success, here's the things that I did where I didn't have success, and then measuring, you know, or or thinking about a little bit of that, you know, that success, okay, what can I duplicate? Mm -hmm. What should I maybe change and affect? And then seek feedback. Um, And I also think it's really appropriate when you're in that relationship, or you're building that relationship, with someone else to ask them their feedback as well, because they're gonna give it you know, pretty direct to you in terms of what that specific relationship could be. And now you have you know, even more information. And I think what's really interesting about doing this is um, people like, just like you are today, people like to be able to share their opinion. And if you're asking that individual, hey, what do you think of our relationship how could we improve it? 
I think what you're going to get out of them is actually a deeper relationship just by asking those questions as well. Um, being very human about it. So that's more on, on the relationship side than the skill side. But yeah, that's, that's probably how I do that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And uh, I think, you know, those are very uh, useful insights if you're trying to build skills and that's clearly something that is a strength of yours. I really uh, appreciate your, you know, your thoughts are on feedback. I think feedback is huge and not just feedback, but giving the other party an opportunity to let them know that you truly want the feedback. You're not just saying that, hey, give me feedback, but you're truly open to using that feedback because otherwise people will shut down if they don't feel like you're truly, truly interested in hearing that feedback. It's very easy to say, give me the feedback, but taking that, being humble about it and just being objective about the feedback, I think uh, was particularly for me an area I had to grow in, being objective about it and not considering a personal attack because it's often yeah. very <laughs> often very easy to take that personally. But also, um, also as we're talking about your career and what you do as a, uh, as a financial advisor, uh, at a general high level, what does a financial advisor do and why is your role important for people to consider? Yeah, fair enough. So um, I guess at a very high level, my job is to basically seek to understand what it is an individual wants to accomplish. Um, uh, making the assumption that most people don't invest for the sake of investing, but they invest because they want to use that money as a resource later understanding what that later means, um, understanding what their, you know, their scenario is at this point, and then helping an individual connect current scenario to future goal in a financial sense. Um, when it comes to financial markets, they can be confusing, they can be intimidating, um, ever-changing, and that can also create emotions. And so my job is to help people, um, you know, try to remove some of that emotional decision-making. So we're making good, strong, logical decisions and also really smart decisions over the course of a period of time to help them be both efficient and effective when it comes down to accomplishing their goals within the resources that they have available to them. Mm. That would be... Yeah, that'd probably be a pretty good synopsis there. Absolutely. And a lot of people feel like they can handle all of their finances themselves. I, they don't need someone to make those decisions for them. Why should they strongly consider using the services of someone like yourself and not just choose to handle it themselves? I know the obvious answer based on what you answered there was no, uh, they're emotional. A lot of people feel like, no, you know what? I'm not that emotional about my finances. I can handle it. Mm -hmm. What do you bring to the table that they perhaps are not considering um, and why they should consider your services. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, if, if we were to look at the average DIY investor versus, um, you know, your average investor who works with a financial mm -hmm. advisor, um, there's a lot of data out there that'll, that'll, you know, kind of show some statistics where um, an individual working with an advisor, working with a coach is, is going to have better performance. And so I would use this analogy and relate it back down to a variety of other goals. Um, I mean, you know, if, if we wanted to gain a, a higher form of education, you know, we might do so by YouTube University and we're, we're a DIY learner. 
okay? Or maybe we would go to university and go into a formal program and now you have a coach, a variety of them, and we'll call them professors and teachers. Uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, you know, we got a goal where we want to lose um, a little bit of weight or maybe get in shape and now we have a personal trainer. And so when working with an individual, it's the idea that you have someone who's going to help hold you accountable to your goals, help remind you of what those goals are. One of the practices that I put in place is to document that conversation, create a visual dashboard. So if it turns out that we're doing a review and it's could be six months, it could be a year even. That's a long time. And so now we're able to sit back down and say, hey, when we talked last time, you know, this was important to you. This is what we were working towards. Has anything changed? And, and just that onto itself um, is, is a pretty big thing. Um, how to use specific account structures and what would be most beneficial um, when it comes down to specific goals. So not even just the investments, but the account structures and how to wield them properly to a unique situation. Um, I often come across individuals where I'm told they heard from someone that a TFSA is bad or an RRSP is bad. Um, and it's neat because that might come from, you know, a, a trusted family member or a friend or, or who knows. But that account style maybe was bad for that individual, but could be beneficial for the individual we're talking to. So being able to create a tailored financial strategy, utilizing those accounts and utilizing those investments, um, it's the idea that at this point, now they have a professional who's being you know, able to offer them some really high quality advice. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's advice. So it gives the idea again, back to your comment about relationship where that client or individual gets to be the CEO, I get to be the CFO. So, hey, here's four or five options. Here's the one I would definitely recommend. Here's a lot of the reasons why. And then giving them the floor to say, hey, like, what did you learn? What did you take away from this? What makes sense? And so we get to educate and inform as we go along, um, which becomes, I think, a pretty exciting experience for both people. That'd be kind of a handful of reasons why at minimum, I feel individuals should at least consider it. Definitely. Totally. Wow. The way you explained it totally made sense because it's not far-fetched to think about, you know, if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to improve your fitness, you get a fitness coach. And if you're in, you know, whatever sports, you have a coach to, you know, guide you through the process. Why are you not applying that to your finances? So, you know, mind blown. <laughs> it's very simple, but it makes sense. Now, I want to make a transition here, Dave, um, to, to soft skills and emotional intelligence. You know, based on the conversation, the themes just keep popping up and up uh, just with your strength in those kind of skills. My first question for you is, you know, what is the place of those skills, so emotional intelligence, soft skills, in success in any career you, ha you have? What is the place of those skills? Because a lot of people feel like, you know what, I just need to focus on my technical skills. So if I'm good in engineering, I just need to focus on all of my engineering stuff or, you know, whatever it else it is. Why should they uh, think about some of these other softer skills? I think this is really, really important because at the end of the day, if you, if you have a job where you're dealing with people, um, there's going to be stresses, there's going to be frustrations, there's going to be, so basically, and at the same time, there's going to be um, successes. So there's going to be highs and lows. So being able to maintain and regulate 
you know, your, your own emotions and being able to seek to understand um, in a very empathetic manner, uh, other people's emotions. Um, it's the idea that, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to relate, I think, to people in, in a stronger manner. Um, it will affect and change a little bit uh, how you um, communicate or maybe when you communicate as examples. Um, so the development of these skills, I think, are what are going to lead an individual to greater levels of success when it comes to dealing with a lot of different people. Um, everybody's a little bit different. And so you, you have to be able to, you know, be, I guess, maybe a slightly different personality for other people. Um, giving kind of an example of today. So, you know, today was a pretty long day. I'm sipping a, sipping a cup of tea and, and I'm a little bit low on energy. So if I was to say to myself, hey, what would be the best impact for this podcast for you and, and for your listeners? Um, it's the idea that maybe I should look and just say, hey, I should probably perk myself up a little bit. So at least it's engaging for some other people. And if I understood that I was, I, that's something I should maybe do, um, and then I was to take action on it, I could potentially have a greater result, i.e. the individuals who, who get the benefit of this could also have a greater result. Um, so yeah, the ability to check yourself at the door too becomes a pretty positive thing when it comes down to those skills. And so I feel that some of the greater leaders that we would have seen in a variety of different corporations, personal groups, things of that nature, they typically develop these skills along the way as long as they're, as well as their hard skills. Totally agree with you. I think uh, if you want to, if you want to uh, improve performance, if you will, and if you want to influence people, these skills are very important. But uh, when you were talking and giving your answers, I, I, I was uh, seeing a couple of themes. And you know, when I think of emotional intelligence, I'm thinking of self-awareness, being able to understand what's going on inside you and just trying to label emotions, if you will. I was, I was hearing self-regulation, controlling those emotions, whether they're good or bad, but being able to put them in check. And I've also tried a conversation I've been hearing a lot about empathy from you, which is putting yourself in other people's shoes and being able to understand what they're going through and modulating your actions based on on what you think they're going through. And then the last piece is you no know, skilled relationship, which is basically combining all of those to provide an, a unique experience to you know, whoever you're dealing with. So when it comes to self-awareness, I feel like that's the root of everything because if you don't know where you are, it's hard to understand where other people are or it's hard to even have any sort of calibration, if you will. How would you go about improving your self-awareness if you know, you're lacking in that skill if you just find yourself kind of just being oblivious to things around you. How do you go about even improving that? Um, one of the things, one of the things that I like to do is, uh, you know, kind of going, if I go through a scenario, um, uh, I like to sit back and reflect. And so one of the things that I'll do is, um, you know, I, I go through a specific scenario um, once that scenario is done, stop and say to myself, okay, what are two things in this scenario that went well? What are two things in this scenario that, you know, might not have gone so well and make some documentation on that. And then, you know, try to figure out what I, what it is that I can replicate and what it is that I can maybe change from that. Then it's the idea of going back and again, seeking feedback. 
So I'm a big fan of feedback. I like that active approach. Um, and so I have at times, you know, whether it be, excuse me, a personal um, or a professional relationship, say, you know, hey, like, here's a conversation we had. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it landed with you. What, what would be some feedback that you could provide and see if they come out with those four items. And if they don't come out with some four items, then it's the idea of, okay, maybe potentially I had a blind spot. And so I, I document this, right? And just, just in a general sense for my own personal growth and development. And, and over the course of time, I'll, I'll go back to my little journal, if you will, and, and I'll look for trend, right? And so that's, that's how I go about that. Um, outside of that, um, I, I actively watch a lot of uh, YouTube when it comes down to different um, skill developing channels, things of that nature. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner. So I utilize YouTube to give me a bit of a visual with that, with that commentary mm. um, and then compare and contrast. And again, then I'll, I'll take it back to um, those, those places of feedback. Another thing that I, that I really think is important. Um, and, and one of the, I guess one of the things I learned in college pro is um, having a mentor. And so uh, with that, I've also assisted in having a mentee. And so now I have two individuals where I can take that different information to at different levels and, and then compare and contrast against other filters as well um, based on their experiences. So through those forms of shared experience and sharing experiences, then being able to work on it. Um, and I guess the fun part is uh, understanding you'll never get it perfect, but understanding that you're always willing to grow and work on it um, becomes really, really exciting. An endless pursuit. It's a lifelong awesome. pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I particularly like um, your reference to really you know, paying attention to blind spots. I feel like you know a lot of people me included, we focus on what are our strengths, you know, um, what are our obvious weaknesses. But I feel like there's something in between, which is a blind spot, things you're not, you're completely oblivious to, you're not even aware of them. It's not like they are strengths or weaknesses, you didn't even know they existed. And uh, I've been caught in, you know, many times where I have blind spots where I, you know, it takes humility to say, wow, I didn't even know how bad I was at this and then trying to walk through them. So I think that was very profound. Also, um, before, before we move on, though, mm -hmm. could you mind if I ask you a question in return? Of course. What would you, so, so if you were to, if I was to pose the same question back to you, mm. what would you recommend? What would you say, hey, here's something that I didn't hear in the dialogue that, hey, Dave, maybe you should consider? You mean for beauty and awareness? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, for me, awareness goes back again to that exercise. Uh, I think you referenced it at the beginning of our conversation, which was, you know, if if you're not, if, if you're trying to build a specific skill, if you're trying to improve something, having you know, a couple of people give you a bit of a, an average score on what they think or how they think you rank on that specific skill. I think that has always been good for me. And the other thing that has been good for me is um, meditation. And I'm sure it's not, it's, not, it's not something new, but I found this to be very, very useful for me. So, and again, this comes to understanding yourself and how your brain works. But generally I have like this stuff in my head, just conversations, dialogues, problems, whatever it is, just so many stuff in my head. 
And I feel like when I'm able to just go sit in a quiet space and almost go into my head, if you will, and just kind of suck through all of these thoughts and these conversations, I'm able to understand better where I am, what I'm feeling or what is frustrating me. So I don't know if you felt this way, but sometimes like you just feel grumpy for no, almost no reason, or you feel very excited for almost no reason. You're asking yourself, why am I excited? Why am I grumpy right now? Why am I, whatever it is you're feeling. I feel like those are results of, you know, just things flowing in your head, things that you've not really settled or really understood. And I feel like when you're in that meditation zone, you're able to catch all of those thoughts and you're able to make sense of them and understand, oh, this is why I'm feeling that way. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, that really helps you become more aware of yourself. So that's kind of my answer to that. I'm not sure if that helped. <laughs> no, great. No, I know. I appreciate it. So, so kind of hearing that, you know, meditation is a way for you to take all of those moving pieces build that puzzle, put it together, focus on it, check yourself, does that make sense? And then carry yourself forward thereafter. Is that, did I hear that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And that has been a very useful tactic for me, especially if you know, you're kind of on the go, have, you're having a lot going on, like you know, have, I have family, I have all of my business ventures, I have a lot of things going on and taking that time for self-care, if you will, a mental self-care, if you will. I, I think that's very, very good to help your level of awareness. Amazing. Well, appreciate the feedback. <laughs> and then question for you, the second piece of uh, emotional intelligence is the regulation piece. So, you know, you figured out the awareness, you know what you're feeling. It doesn't mean that what you're feeling is positive all the time, right? It doesn't mean you're feeling the, the good emotions all the time. Sometimes it's frustrations. It's, uh, you know, uh, anger sometimes, you know, whatever, rage. How do you or how have you been able to keep those in check to make sure that your actions are really aligned with, you know, your long-term goals? You're not pissing clients off. You're not transferring aggression to the wrong person. What have you done to, you know, to improve that part for yourself? Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Um... Because I, I genuinely feel when it comes to a scenario, so, so imagine, you know, a client walks in and, you know, they have some inherited money. Um, mm -hmm. They could be going through various stages of emotions or there's been a job loss um, or, uh, you know, they received a bonus, right? Like there's, there's a degree of emotions there. And, and so when it comes down to it, my job is to help them be, um, you know, objective about the scenario. My emotions really aren't allowed in the room in the same way that theirs are. So one of the things um, that I'll do prior to say a meeting uh, or, or a conversation with a friend, if we're helping with something is check myself. And so what I mean by that is before, you know, a few minutes before going into that conversation, much as you said, you know, Hey, like, am I feeling X? Why am I feeling X? And, and really just kind of seeking to understand that emotion, seeking to understand why I feel it. Um, once that is understood, maybe kind of call it in a logical sense or however, you know, it wishes to be branded. It's the idea that you're able to then say, okay, well, this is something that I do know I'm, I'm going to have to deal with. The purpose is not to push it down and suppress it. The purpose is just simply put it in a parking lot, right? And so just, just park it over to the side. So that way you can focus on the task at hand, be, you know, be what it is that you need to be in that moment, sort all of that sort of stout stuff out um, and, and be who it is that you professionally need to be for an individual or personally for an individual. And then once that's done, remember that you did have that conversation with yourself. 
so you know handling that and coming back to that inner dialogue and pull it back out and say okay well you know what happened here why did i feel that way and i think by doing this this also um you gain a uh, i guess maybe a bit of a strength or, or, or a higher skill in the idea of managing your emotions um but also dealing with them mm. right because we can't just push them away we can't just stuff them under the rug eventually you'll get a nice pile underneath that rug and you'll have something to deal with so that is that's probably my, my my best advice right there is to understand that it's okay for you to have those feelings you're a normal human being like everybody else mm. um but but don't be lazy about them either mm. you take an active approach with it and, and and do deal with it in 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 due course absolutely that's profound and i think i like something you you pointed out the the the, the selflessness of that action right because i think if you're selfish then you want to throw a tantrum you want to act on those negative emotions you you're not able to objectively say well there's no time for this right now i need to you know fulfill my obligations to my client or to my family whatever it is and then deal with my stuff later on i think there's a level of being selfless when you're you know trying to manage and regulate your emotions. I think that's a very important piece. And then the last piece of, uh, you know, the uh, emotional intelligence we're talking about is empathy, which is something you've referenced throughout our conversation, putting yourself in other people's shoes. Again, it, com it, it takes a level of, um, of uh, what's the right word here, um, control, if you will, to be empathetic, to not just think about yourself all the time, to say, okay, well, how is this person feeling? Uh, what I'm, uh, how is what I'm saying affecting them? How do you build that skill for someone who's, you know, that's not something uh, uh, of an area of strength? How do you build the skills of empathy? Um, I would say that it's probably one of the, I would say, Emotionally, I would say is probably one of the best skills to focus on. Um, I think proper understanding of the emotion would be really, really key. So being able to decide the difference between, say, uh, sympathy and empathy. Um, but, you know, once, once an individual feels understood um, with what it is that they're going through, it's the idea that that also paves the way for, you know, a lot of other really amazing things. Um, vulnerability, trust, um, understanding. And at that point, again, coming back to relationship, um, individuals, I think, typically really understand that it's the idea that you genuinely do care. Um, you genuinely want to see it from their side of the story understand exactly how it is they're feeling or to the best of your ability. Um, and, and this also requires, I think, a little bit of vulnerability um, from the individual. So, you know, there's, there's areas where you're not going to be able to fully understand everything that an individual is saying. And, and really, how could you? Because you haven't maybe gone through that. You might have a good idea of it and being able to convey that, um, but asking very, very simple questions you know, can you tell me more? I'd like to understand X. Um, how, how is that making you feel? Um, and that will pave the way for you to be able to not just see something from someone else's lens, but also to understand maybe what it feels like to walk a few steps in their shoes through that scenario. Mm. Um, and, and when you're able to do something of that nature, 
Um, I think it helps an individual act in the best for that individual. It allows you to really put them first. Um, I'd argue that that's, well, for me, at least it's, it's a really important value. So pardon me if I'm struggling a little bit with my words here, but uh, yeah, that, that genuinely is something that, that I take a lot of pride in. Um, and it's arguably paved what I think would be some of my strongest relationships. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess I'd have to leave it there unless you want to probe a little bit deeper. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit messy on this one, but. That's completely okay. I think, you know, it's a, it's a very profound and just deep topic. I mean, we could talk about that for hours, but I really appreciate what you said about questions. I think, you know, questions and curiosity is definitely the, the beginning point of empathy because you have to be willing to probe and to ask and to try and understand and say, please let me understand how you're feeling to really get a sense of empathy. So it takes no, it takes a lot of work, if you will. Um, but due to, you know, we're kind of running out of time. I do have another bit of questions that I wanted to ask you. And this relates to the fact that we're in a pandemic. And of course, um, everyone is experiencing this pandemic. Uh, I'm very curious for yourself. You're one of those high performers I know based on our conversations over the last couple of months. How have you retained your level of motivation and uh, you know, just getting things done, even with everything seeming to be collapsing around us? How do you maintain that mindset as we're in this pandemic? Fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, I try... I try to focus on, I guess, a variety of different areas of life. So um, I can't control that there's a pandemic. I can't control that I can't see all of my buddies, um, but I can control how I act in it. And so one of the things, um, you know, when it comes down to that social connection piece, very much like what you're doing here, um, there's Zoom meetings where we connect and we do kind of some fun, silly things. Um, it'll come down to games, it'll come down to dinner nights, things of that nature, but all done virtually. So that social piece is really there. Um, when it comes down to uh, the physical side of it, um, I'm a, a relatively new hunter. So pretty much through, uh, you know, I guess what would be the last couple months, there's been a lot of hiking. So making sure to get in some good physical exercise um, has been huge. Um, one of the things that uh, me and my other half have uh, practiced a fair amount. And now I guess I didn't realize the importance of it. Genuinely practicing gratitude. Hmm. That is probably the one that I would say to hinge on the most um, is you know, what is it that you're, that you're grateful for? Um, you know, find something. What's a skill that you've learned um, that you can celebrate um, and, and, and do that as well? So really uh, what I'm saying, I guess, in, in the uh, grand scheme of things is find an outlet where you're able to share and laugh. Mm. Find an outlet where you're able to, um, you know, practice gratitude. Um, find an area where you're able to get a little bit of physical exercise. I think the combination of those are going to help you sleep better. And as a result, probably be a more positive person. Um, and that's, that's been a really, really exciting learning because those are the things that we can control.
Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of stoicism in your in your answer there, which is focusing on what we can control, because at the end of the day, you know, you can't worry about what's outside of your control. It's pretty useless, if you will. And it's only going to bring more misery if you're focusing on things outside of your control. So I do appreciate that. Last piece of question for you here, Dave, is a little bit of... Um, if you will, uh, some predictions. I always like asking this because I'm, you know, I'm very curious about how your mind works. And we're in a pandemic, and uh, you know, this is affecting everybody. So one way or the other, things are bound to happen, positive or negative. So there's no really right or wrong answer. But what, in your estimation or your thought, will be changing as a result of this pandemic over the next, you no, know, two, three, four years? And you can go as far out as you want. But I'm very curious about your thoughts and predictions. Yeah, no, you know what? That's that's a really exciting question. Um, things that I've seen that uh, I guess I, I wouldn't, I I might struggle with prediction, mm. but I but I probably would come back to things I'd really like to see stay. Mm. Um, I I'm not someone who adopts technology as fast as maybe I wish I would. So a bit of a weak spot for me, mm. um, but really, really enjoying the different forms that we're able to communicate. And so I guess I would hope to continue to see that grow. Um, other ways to create connection that are, that are meaningful. Um, when it comes to uh, all the different disruptors that we're seeing. I think we'll see more of that. So, I mean, this could have been in years past, could have been Facebook, uh, could be Amazon, could be Uber, um, even as small as you see things where it's different styles and trends and fashions that are coming from masks now. I know it's very, very small, but my assumption would be that more disruptors are going to come, more innovations are going to come as people are becoming more comfortable with these different ways to maybe do business, different ways to, uh, you know, maybe uh, carry on social relationship um, and, and communicate. And those have been things that I've really, really enjoyed um, and, and actually had a little bit of fun learning for a guy who, again, is not the first adopter to different forms of technology. Absolutely. And you know what? You're right about the disruption piece, because when you think about some of the biggest tech companies over the last decade, your Airbnbs, your Ubers, they actually came out, I believe, if I'm correct, out of the last recession, the 2008 financial crisis. Um, so for our listeners, you know, if there's any time to start that you know, weird idea you've been thinking about or that hobby that you want to turn into like a you know, side hustle, side business, I feel like this is a perfect time. People are more open to new things because, you know, I mean, the pandemic hit, no one expected that. And if there's any time to be involved in startups or entrepreneurship, I think it's now. Would you agree? I couldn't, I couldn't echo you more. I really, really couldn't. And it's, and it's funny, right? Because we always have a reason why we shouldn't do X. Mm -hmm. And it might sound cheesy and it might sound cliche, but I would argue that there probably isn't a better time than right now. Yeah, there isn't. Yeah. It's been a massive pleasure having you on the show, Dave. So much wisdom and insights. I always love talking to you. I've always loved talking to you for years now. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's a absolute delight. Thanks for having me. Like really what an honor. And again, um, yeah, the, the sentiment, 
the sediment goes right back to you. Always a joy, David. Yeah, look forward to more in the future. Thank you, sir. <laughs>